0: Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for this time as we think again about loving you with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. We've talked about loving you with our heart and our soul, and tonight we look at loving you with our mind. Lord, we pray that you would touch our mind, open our mind, bless our mind, teach our mind, that we might draw all the more close to you, that we might seek you all the more, that we might know you all the more. We thank you for this time together. We always are grateful for times of worship and prayer and study, hearing your word, being a part of the body of Christ, being in fellowship and community. We pray for your blessing on all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, A mind stretched by a new idea never Returns to its original shape. God has given us a mind that can learn and grow and stretch and be creative and think of new ideas. God has given us a mind to use it well. God has given us a mind to love Him. I have good news for you and me. For many years, it's been thought that as we get older, our brains lose their ability to grow. But researchers have now found that there is a direct correlation between the length of time spent driving a taxi and the size of the posterior hippocampus. you're like, what does that have anything to do with what I just said, right? (laughs) Well, let me explain. That sounds like an odd statement, but the hippocampus is the part of the brain that is the center of emotion, memory, and the autonomic um, nervous system. They discovered that these taxi drivers had to memorize complex routes. Because they had to use their brains in this way, the brain continued to grow. God has created us with the capacity of learning up until the time we die. The truth is, we hardly use a fraction of our potential, the potential of our brains. That is one of the reasons why I decided to, like I told you last time, Learn or memorize a psalm a month, and as I told you last um, last Lent service, uh, I did it mostly not to sound impressive, but to challenge my brain. I wanted to challenge my brain, and I thought, what better way to challenge my brain than to pour the scriptures into my brain, into my my being, into my my daily life? I have the, the Word of God constantly flowing in and. And through my, my brain and my body. Another important truth is that our imaginations cap- are capable of doing far more than we can imagine. Unfortunately, we tend to lose our creative spirit the older we get. A, a UK government report on creativity, education, and economy described research that showed that young people lost their ability to think in divergent or non-linear ways which is a key component of creativity. Of 1,600 children aged three to five, who were tested, 98 percent let me say that again aged, 1,600 children, aged three to five, 98 percent showed that they could think in divergent ways. Three to five-year-olds, 98 percent. By the time they were age eight to 10, 32 percent were thinking divergently. Is that astounding? 98. 32% in just five years. When the same test was applied to 13 to 15-year-olds, only 10% were thinking divergently. And when the test was used with 200,000 25-year-olds, only 2% were still thinking divergently. That is just an astounding Statistic. Education is driven by the idea that one answer is the one right answer, and this idea of divergent thinking becomes stifled. Now, there's oftentimes when one answer is the one and right answer, but we have an education system that oftentimes tries to keep our children coloring between the lines and thinking in very straightforward ways. To love God with all of our mind, we must make the most of our minds by learning as much as we can, as often as we can, and about as much as we can. It also means that we allow ourselves to stay creative because we have been created by a creative God. Now we're going to talk about that a little more a little bit later. But you might want to think of ourselves, when's the last time I really did something truly creative? Last week I went to... Um, Ensenada, Mexico, and one of the great things about going there—those of you who have gone on a trip with me—know that when you're driving down the one, you know, once you finally get on the one, you know, you have to go a few other places. But once you get on that one, that view is just so amazing of the coast and the the water and the islands out there, and you just think, what an amazing and creative God. You look at this picture that's up even. I mean, what, what an amazing. Creative God we have, and he made us in his image to be creative. 1 Corinthians 8.2 tells us, The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. Let me say that again. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. We must always live with the attitude that there is more to learn. We know just enough to think we know a lot, Right? So you might know the Bible a lot and think, I know it, right? I don't need to learn any more about God. I don't need to learn any more about scriptures. I don't need, right? We get to that place where we think we know it all. You hear a verse that you've heard a lot of times. Oh, I know that verse, right? What about, what does God have to say to you now in this moment, in the midst of your circumstances with that verse? I tell you now, you could read the same verse every day, and each day, if you came to it with an open mind, saying, God, what do you have to say to me? God would speak to you an important truth using that same verse every single day. There's a connection with loving God with all of our soul, the wonder that we experience in this world, as we talked about two weeks ago, and loving God with all of our mind. When the soul stops wondering, the mind stops learning. Loving God with half of your mind isn't good enough. God wants to sanctify sanctify every part of your mind for his purposes. When we stop using our mind to its fullness, then we will fail to love God with the all that we are called to love him with. So then we love God with all of our mind when we cultivate our mind for God's purposes. We use it in ways to honor God. We seek to benefit the kingdom of God with our minds. We never stop learning and teaching and sharing and thinking and coming up with creative ideas. So it means making the most of our minds. If you've ever been laid up and had... To not use your body for a while, you know, you're laying down there and you're just doing nothing for a long time. And I think a number of us have been in that position. A lot of us have been sick, you know, for a while and just not any, much energy, not doing too much. You know that your body can atrophy, right? I mean, you need to keep moving, you need to keep using your body. This is true of our minds as well. How often do you hear about people who, once they graduate from college, they never read a book again? It's so true. So true. People graduate from college, they only read books because they had to for the school, right? And then they stop being in school and they stop reading. They stop studying, they stop thinking they have to learn. Average college student only reads two books a year. How about you? How much do you read? I try to read about a book a month at home and then about a book a month for work. So hopefully I read two a month. I think I'm reading about... Part of the problem is I'm meeting with different people and reading different... I'm reading about five books now at the same time, so I don't know that I really get one full book a month done because, you know, you're reading... But I'm reading constantly, regularly, which I think is the point. The point isn't to say, you know, I I got a great illustration. When I was in third grade, I'm going to tell you... uh, I'm going to confess, okay? I'm going to confess. This is confession time. I I don't know that, like, more than two people know this. When I was in third grade... We had this contest about reading books. And the more books you read, the more points you got and the more reward you got. So I had this great idea, right? I have t- attention, attention deficit disorder anyway. So I started reading the last word of every line. That's how I read the books. So th- did you read? Yeah, I read every page. I, you know, and I, man, I was reading a lot of books. My teacher thought, this kid is a fast reader, I tell you. That's not how you read books, okay? You don't read a book just to say you finished a book, okay? You read a book to learn and to enjoy and to to grow from it. You don't just read, say, yeah, I read the, the last two pages. It was a great book. Let me tell you about the end, right? Here's a sad statement. There was a study done in a top university where they gave some summa cum laude graduates their same final exams one month after they graduated. Okay, top university, summa cum laude. One month after, they gave them the same test they had a month before. How do you think they did? They all failed. They all failed exams. Why? Because their goal was to know the material for the test, not to grow their mind and learn the material for something bigger than that. We use our short-term memory all the time. What about moving forward into our long-term memory and really memorizing something or really knowing something? You do that by constantly keeping up on what you know and what you practice. As Christians, we should have a holy curiosity. In fact, this phrase came from Einstein, who challenged people to never stop questioning. A holy curiosity. Who is God? Who am I? What is the true purpose of life? These are questions that can never be fully answered, and questions we should always be examining and learning about. We we know a lot, but there's more to learn. There's more about God to learn. There's more about us to learn. There's more about our purpose. There's more about life. There's more about creation. We should always be seeking to learn more and more And more. And the great news is the Bible gives us so much instruction and understanding of this. And the more we study and the more we learn, the more we can answer these questions more fully. In Genesis, when God commanded Adam and Eve to fill the earth and subdue it, it implied in this command the invitation to explore. Everything outside of Eden was uncharted territory and needed to be explored, filled, and subdued. When we have a curiosity, like this. What does it get us? It gets us to the point where we chart the stars and map the genomes and explore the depths of the sea and seek to understand the animal species and on and on it goes. We have this curiosity. We want to learn. We want to know. We want to understand. We want to grow in our understanding. All the while, as we're doing this, we grow more and more in awe of God. Does that make sense? The more we learn the more we realize we don't know. The more we learn about who God is, the more we realize how God is God and we're not, right? We learn more and more that the distance between who God is and who we are, and we we have this this holy awe of God, but we want to know more and we want to learn more so that we can draw closer to that God in whom we are in awe. Our curiosity leads us to experience art and science and math and the psyche and physiology. We understand first and foremost that it all belongs to God, but we seek to understand it because we are God's. We were created in God's image and we were given the earth to govern. Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. God created everything around us and now it is our job, our responsibility to search out the answers to this world. It is almost like God is playing a game of hide and seek, right? I know everything. I know where everything is. I know what everything means. Now it's your turn to find it. Go. Right? Ready, set, go. And we're out there trying to find these answers. What exists? What does it mean? Why did God create it? Why did God put these things together together? In this way. If you've been to an astronomy show lately, one of the things they do is show how big the galaxy is, right? You ever notice that? Where you start and here's the earth, right? And then they go far and far, far, and pretty soon you can't see the earth, you know, and then you can't even see our galaxy anymore, and then pretty soon, you know, it just keeps going and farther and farther until you know the earth is just so far away that there's not even a little pinpoint anymore. It's an interesting thing they, they do with that. Astronomers estimate that there are hundreds of billions of galaxies. Now, I'm glad they took the time to count them for us. One at a time. One, two, three, four, right? You can imagine how that worked. But the point is the universe is large, very large. But God created it all. God is much, much larger than the universe. There was a test where an image was shown to children of a couple intimately embracing It was like a Rorschach test. And they asked the children what they saw, but the children, not having any kind of context, right, they did not see a couple. What they saw was more like nine dolphins, they said. Because the children did not have the experience and the knowledge of what they were seeing, they looked at it with their own creative imagination, right? And they expressed what it looked like to them, The point is that you cannot see what you do not know, right? The goal of learning is to expand our God-given imagination so that we can expand our appreciation of who God is and what God has made. When astronomers look to the stars, they see more than you and I see. When chefs taste food, they taste more than what you and I taste. Those who know more see more. As the mind expands, so does the soul, and so does our capacity to love. When we love God with our hearts, we love only so much. Then we add the soul, and we love God more. Then we add the mind, and we love God even more. And each adds approximately 25% more of our ability to love. The New Testament Greek word translated as disciple comes from a root that means learner. By definition, a disciple is someone who never stops learning. The quest for knowledge about God is never over. The desire of a true disciple is never consumed. Our holy curiosity is always expanding. You and I need to believe that learning glorifies God when it is done for the right reasons. That reason is to know God more so that we can love Him more. Learning what it means to be a Christ follower. C.S. Lewis once said, Education without values, as useful as it is, seems rather to make man a more clever devil. Isn't that interesting? Education without values, as useful as it is, seems rather to make man a more clever devil. We must understand why we are learning and seek to use the knowledge we have to glorify God. If we don't, then our knowledge will become our God, and we will use it to hurt others, to build ourselves up, to make ourselves seem more important or better than others. Think about this. Everything that exists was once an idea in someone's mind, right? The chairs you're sitting in, someone at some point had an idea to to build a chair, they created this chair based on an idea that wouldn't it be nice to sit on something that has something that you can sit on your bottom and something that for your back and that rays off the ground. And someone had some idea of that chair. And then others had an idea of how to improve upon that chair, right? Now we have recliners and you know, you can go to the beach, right, and you have an umbrella attached to the chair and a cup holder and you have, I don't know, a back scratcher on the back of the chair. Who knows what, what exists on these chairs now, right? Everybody, you know, if you ever watched Shark, Shark Tank, right? They're, all these inventors are coming and they always are trying to improve on what, always, what already exists. For the most part, a lot of this already exists in some form. They're just trying to make it better or more convenient or more helpful, you know, like one lady came on and said, my kids never take uh, medicine, and so now I've created this little elephant with a little trunk that comes out, and now my kids take the the medicine, right? It's not a new product, it's just a different kind of better product that allows kids to have fun with it, and then they want to, to drink the medicine. Someone had the creative idea of creating this podium, creating... Electricity, creating speakers, monitors, stage, right? Everything you see, people had a creative idea to say, I think I'm going to build that. I'm going to design that. I'm going to create that. In a greater way, everything that exists originated in the mind of God. It was thought by God before it came into existence. You and I were once an idea in the imagination of God. Now, isn't that fun to think? I think, I think I'm going to create Rosalie. Why not? That would be really great. She's going to change the world. She's going to love people. She's going to make a difference in everyone around her. I'm going to create Rosalie. I think that's a good idea. And he did it, right? God created us, but he thought about creating us first. The first revelation we have of God comes to us in Genesis. In the first chapter, we see God as creator, right? God is infinitely creative, has made us in his image, as I said before. That means that we are creative and should be creative. I tell you, the, the most creative I think I've ever been is when I was a youth minister. Youth minister. In fact, the most creative, I was having this conversation with someone. I don't even remember who I was talking to. I had this conversation. One summer, I was working for a daycare, and the daycare director decided that she wanted to do a junior high day camp. You know, a lot of families they have junior hires. They're not quite old enough to stay home alone. You know, maybe parents don't quite trust that. But they're they're too old to really be babysat, right? And so she decided, we're gonna do this junior high day count. So she asked me if I would be willing to do it. I was in college, I was still stupid, I hadn't graduated yet. So I said yes. And what I said yes to meant that I was going to be with about a dozen junior hires from 6.30 in the morning to 6.30 at night, Monday to Friday. Now, just put that through your head for a second, okay? I'm going to say that again. I was with junior hires from 6.30 in the morning to 6.30 at night, Monday to Friday. By Friday night at 6.30, I was jelly, right? I had no thoughts in my head at all. In fact, when I saw an adult, I like gravitated to them, grabbed onto them, and they said, get away from me, please. I said, but I have to have an adult conversation. Please let me have an adult conversation. So the most creative I ever was was when I was with these dozen, because junior hires, if you know anything about junior hires, you know that they're at that age where everything is boring. And unfortunately, we didn't have enough money to go on a trip every day, right? That's really expensive. So maybe one day during the week we went to Disneyland, and then the next week maybe we went horseback riding, but horseback riding only takes about two hours. Okay, so now I'm 12 hours, right? So I still have 10 hours left to, to, to deal with, right? We had this room that had these, this, okay, imagine this. This carpet had these stripes, yellow, green, black, brown, blue, and red. I mean, that was, and then it repeated. That was the carpet in the room. So I said, "Oh, great game! You know, we all have a great idea. Okay, everybody stand on the yellow, and I'm going to call a color, and you're going to run to that color, and the first one there wins. Okay, ready, go. Red. Boom! They all run. Black. You know. And so, you know, for like half an hour, I played this game. Right? As long as I could get out of each game out of them until they were thoroughly bored, I would play this game. So then I said, "Okay, we're going to turn off all the lights, and I have a penny, and I'm going to throw the penny, and you're going to listen where the penny goes, and we're going to find the penny." And the reward for finding the penny was, you got to throw the penny. Yeah, isn't that great, right? Now, one thing about junior hires is there's, they're still not you know, quite cognitively up there yet, so you can do those kinds of games with them for a while, and they're like, I'm bored, let's do something else. Man, I was creative during that season in my life, okay? Because I was forced to be creative. But we have that capability in us of being creative. What are some of the creative things that you have done that you might even be doing now. I know those of you that are teaching the, the little kids, you, when it's your turn to, to teach, I know you're saying, hmm, I need to be creative this week. What am I going to do with these little kids, right? How am I going to teach a Bible lesson to two to five-year-olds? Hmm, this is not easy. We need to be really creative in this, right? And we have it in us when we're forced to. One of the things I enjoy doing, um, as you know, is playing my saxophone in the praise band And what's really fun, and I'm grateful that the worship leaders allow me to do this, they just say, okay, we're in the key of G. And I don't have, you know, they don't give me a part, they don't tell me what to play, they just tell me the key, and I just get to make up my own music on Sunday mornings. Whatever, you know, God hopefully brings to me, that's something that blesses the music and, you know, enhances the experience. But I get to be creative by just making up my own music to to go with the music. Maybe... You make up your own cooking dish. Maybe you write poetry. Maybe you draw pictures. Maybe you make up stories for your children or your grandchildren. I used to love to do that, especially with Tyra. He loved this. When we'd go to bed at night, I would, he'd tell, tell me a story. And so I'd make up the story, right? And just have a lot of fun, just making up stories off the top of my head. And boy, that's challenging, but it's fun and it's great for the mind. If you have children or grandchildren, I encourage you, well, some of your children are too old, so you probably don't want to lay down with them and make up stories again. But, you know, if you have little grandchildren or children or somebody else's children or whatever, you know, try it sometime. It's really an interesting thing Um, because you're, like, going along, like, where am I going to go next with this story? I have no idea, you know, and you just kind of think and you just, just go with it. There are so many ways to be creative. Think again about God being creative. Think about all the different trees and plants and rocks and animals, all the different species that there are. And then after he created them, what did he tell Adam to do? You get to name all the animals. Think if you were Adam and you were naming this giraffe walks up and you're like, "Mm, you're a, I don't know. And he just starts thinking of all these. I'm sure it wasn't giraffe back then, right? But being creative, making names for all these animals that existed. Before our son was born, I told Tammy that I wanted to name him Tubal Cain. Now, Tubal-Cain is a biblical name. Go to Genesis 6, I think it is, or wherever the genealogy is somewhere, right? And it's a, it's a biblical name. Well, Tammy was not sold on the name Tubal-Cain. So we had to compromise. She had this big bear that she had gotten when she was younger, and I said, okay, we'll name the bear Tubal-Cain. But our child, we're not naming tubal Cain. Now, we, we came up with T names. If you notice anything about our, our children... Tammy is Tamara Joe, Tyler is Tyler James, and Tiffany is Tiffany George. So we all went with TJ. Tubal Kane is a T name. I mean, you know, it worked, right? I thought it was creative. She didn't like it, so. (laughs) But, you know, as parents, when you're thinking about your kids' names, you usually brainstorm through names, don't you? You go through these names, and you brainstorm, and you try to think, what is a good, creative new name that I... And some people are really creative with their names, aren't they? You've heard some names, probably, that you're like, really? That's your name? Okay. Your parents were being really creative that day, weren't they? You know where the most creativity should come from? It should be the church. The church should be the most creative organization on all the planet of Earth. And the reason why is because we are filled with God's Spirit. We are creative people. We should be creative people. We are in the image of God. But unfortunately, the church oftentimes is the least creative organization in the world. Now why is that? We tend to worship the same all the time. We, we tend to settle on the same hymns and songs. We get comfortable in the same seat. We get used to traditions, which are not all bad, but if you do it all the time, all the time, all the time, it's it just not the best. Someone the other day said, why don't we not have rows? Why don't we have, you know, kind of arcs? And someone laughed and said, oh, no, the engineers in our church would never go for arcs. (laughs) They want straight lines, okay? (laughs) But what if we did that? What if we did, you know, arcs one Sunday? Or what if we did a circle one Sunday? I mean, imagine that. I mean, we'd be really uncomfortable, wouldn't we? We'd be staring at each other like, I don't like this at all. This is too creative for me, okay? Let's go back to lines, right? But the church should be the most creative place. Because we are in God's creation, in His image, creative people. We're called to be faithful followers of God, but faithfulness is not doing it the way it's always been done. That doesn't mean faithfulness. I mean, sometimes it's good to do things as it's been done always, but not always. Sometimes it's good to do things not how it's been done before. Faithfulness is not holding the fort, faithfulness is not defending the status quo. Faithfulness is the courage to incarnate the gospel in creative ways, to live it out with excitement and newness. We live in a society that needs new ways to hear the gospel, and we need to be called as God's people to proclaim that gospel in new and fun and creative ways. Faithfulness is making the gospel come alive for those who don't know it. Being true to God's word, being true to the gospel, but finding a way that connects with the person that you're trying to share the gospel with. Jesus, in his teaching, never taught the same way, did he? To farmers, he used the example of sowing seeds. To builders, he used the example of starting with a good foundation and building off of that. Fishermen, he used the example of fishing and expanded it to being fishers of men. He likened it, you're going to follow me and you're going to be fishers of men of men. You're going to have a more significant purpose now. You're not going to catch fish. You're going to catch people for me. He taught while he walked around. He didn't stay in the church. He went out to where people were. He went and had gatherings, right? And he was in people's gatherings. in houses. I mean, one of the most creative stories probably ever is, uh, remember when Jesus was teaching in the house? And the stretcher his friend bring the man on the stretcher. And how did he enter the house? Through the roof. Could you imagine if you're sitting there, listening, okay, right now you're sitting, and all of a sudden Barbara looks up and some stuff is coming down on her head. It's the roof. And then there's a hole in the roof and the next thing she knows she has to move because there's this body being lowered down right where she is sitting, Right? They were creative. The house was packed. They couldn't get in. How do we get our friend to Jesus? Ah, let's be creative. We're going to cut a hole in the roof. Creativity is important. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to be someone we're not. It just means that God gives us permission to express ourselves in unique ways. If we're afraid to try new things, then we will limit our capacity to think. God wants us constantly rethink. God wants us to make the gospel fresh to whoever we're talking to. When I was in Long Beach, there was a person who was really a creative thinker. She would bring me ideas all the time. And then my job was to try to figure out how to make them happen. Right? So she came to me one time with this idea called Return to Bethlehem. Now, it wasn't a new idea. It was something that existed in other places, but it it needed to be a new idea for us and how we were going to carry it off, Okay? So, basically, the idea of Return to Bethlehem is you turn a portion of your church into a first-century marketplace. So we looked at their church and we're like, how do we do this? Well, we had someone who was really, he was an artist, and he built these great walls. He, he painted them and built them out of uh, a styrofoam. And then we, we got these little metal pieces and poked a hole in them and called them shekels, and we got little leather straps, and we did all these things and we turned our fellowship hall into a first century marketplace. We had like this, uh, this cloth, and so you walk through this cloth, and next thing you know, you're in a first century marketplace. And you're walking around, you can use your shekels to buy the leather and the beads and, and stuff. And then you went into this one room, the last room was the manger, with Jesus, Mary and Joseph and Jesus were in there. And then you walk through another cloth, and you're back into the 21st century. right? But it was really fun. It took 50 people to make this happen, which is probably half our church, and it took about $1,000, which is probably you know, a good amount of our money. But it was fun being creative in coming up with this program to explain the gospel. Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.5, we're told, Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Think about if Christians were seeking to do this in their daily lives, We would have Christians shaping culture in our classrooms, our boardrooms, our newsrooms, our office buildings. If Christians aren't doing this, then non-Christians will. And non-Christians are. We need to take back our society for Christ. So there's a first creation when the God idea is conceived, and there's a second creation when the dream becomes a reality. And then there's a lot of hard work in between, isn't there? Have the idea... That's the the first creation. Then the dream becoming a reality and creating that, that's the second creation. Through prayer, God can speak to us through dreams, promptings, desires, impressions, ideas. Prayer is a mechanism whereby God ideas are conceived and captured. The exciting thing about this is that one God idea can change the course of history. You never know what God idea God might give you Or me. And then we seek to live it out and we touch lives for the Lord. Here's an important fact that we must understand. If we're going to be creative for the Lord, if we're going to love God with all of our mind, if we're going to seek God ideas, God ideas aren't the byproduct of genius. You don't have to be genius status to have God ideas. The more you love God, the more God reveals to you because you are seeking God and you're seeking God's ideas. There are many secrets waiting to be revealed. If you don't seek God, then you won't be in a place to receive them. Do you believe that God is a God that reveals mysteries? The Bible talks about that all the time. God is a God who reveals mysteries to you and me. I pray that not only would you believe that, but that you would seek, God, help me to have a God idea to bless your kingdom. Colossians 1, 24-27, let me read it for you again. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. For for non-Christians, Christ in you is a mystery that they cannot understand. And we have to find creative ways to say, let me show you how you can see Christ in you. Let me help you to understand this mystery. We have the Savior in us. We have the power of the Holy One in us. This is just one of the many mysteries that God reveals to us. If you think you know all that you need to know, you won't be able to love God with all your mind. If you think God doesn't want to reveal his mysteries to you, you won't be able to love God with all your mind. If you don't allow yourself to be creative, you won't love God with all of your mind. Don't limit yourself. But let yourself experience all that your mind has to bring to you so that you might be able to understand, know God, and love him more. Let your mind be obedient obedience to Christ. Experience all that Christ has for you and share it. Amen. Let us uh, just take a moment to reflect, just a moment maybe a minute or so, just to think about, I want you to think, I want to challenge you to just think about one thing that you heard in in my sermon just now. One thing that spoke to you and just dwell on that for a moment and lift it up to the Lord. One thing.